a newsflash. The Washington Capitals did not invent partying with the Stanley Cup. To repeat, the Washington Capitals did not invent partying with the Stanley Cup. You can tell they're first-timers. Here's hoping they're last-timers. The Pirates sent down Nick Kingham, the pitcher. He has the best DRA and the best whip and the lowest opponent batting average among any pitcher who has started a game for the Pirates this year. Kingham is 26, so they're not bringing him along slowly. They have already brought him along slowly. So why is Nick Kingham in AAA? Is it because they have to justify what they're paying Ivan Nova? Hey, they're on the hook for that no matter what. So I ask again, why is Nick Kingham in the minors? You tell me, 412-333-WXDX, or tweet me, at X. It's the same old crap. It's like starting Sean Rodriguez one-third of the time. It's like rotating Polanco through the outfield. Either winning doesn't matter or Hurdle is just a crap manager who has no idea how to win. And the silly part is Nova pitched well yesterday and Polanco hit a three-run triple. So all the bloggers and fanboys can look at this very smallest of samples and say, see, see, those guys should be in there. See, stick the hockey, fat ass. And yet, here the Pirates are under 500 after being 26 and 17 less than a month ago. That's nine games over 500. That is quite the precipitous fall. This is the Mark Madden Show, and yes, I did have a good time at Conneaut Lake. Just lovely. And now we got Steeler Minicamp, which I will not attend, but will be which will be just as lovely, I'm sure. Uh, Wiz Khalif is apparently working with Lev Bell on Lev's rap career. That's in quotes. If I was Tomlin, I'd keep my teenage kid away from that. You may recall Tomlin's teenage kid hangs out with Lev at the recording studio. But the Wiz recording studio, he and Mac Miller own a studio in Aetna. That studio between Wiz and Lev will be one big digital hot box. 24-7. Good luck with that drug test, Lev. Did you know Pitt football has only one recruit so far? Seriously. Just one recruit has committed. Some three-star jabroni. One recruit for Pitt football to this point. What the frig is up with that? I was watching the College World Series. Okay, maybe not watching, but it happened to be on the TV at a bar I was at. I can't believe college baseball is still using aluminum bats. Why would they still do that? Does an infielder have to die? Actually, if I knew one would, I'd watch college baseball all the time, the infielders were playing on the outfield grass. That's not baseball. That's just stupid. Speaking of stupid and baseball coming together yet again, Otani, 
that Japanese guy who both pitches and plays the outfield for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and Greater Burbank, or whatever the friggin' is they're called. Well, he's not going to be doing either for a while. Otani needs Tommy John surgery and probably won't be available to play until 2020. It's like Bo Jackson. When you try and do both, you end up being able to do neither. CM Punk of pro wrestling fame got the bejesus beat out of him in his second UFC fight. It will almost certainly be his last, but I give Punk credit. He's so rich, he never has to work again, and he pursued his dream. It, it didn't have a happy ending, but at least he knows. It's kind of like John Favreau's character in Friends, the millionaire who became a UFC fighter and got his ass kicked. Uh, Justify won the Triple Crown, and he has declined the invitation to visit the White House. Justify said, if I wanted to see a horse's ass, I'd have finished second. And before all you Trump bites go nuts, come on. A, that's a great joke. B, it works for any president. Obviously, I stole it. Although, I think I could have come up with that one. That's fairly easy pickings. Uh, De Niro said, F Trump. And that only helps Trump, and people like him still don't understand that. Golden State won the NBA championship, and LeBron said he broke his hand earlier in the series, which is the most pathetic, desperate excuse-making in the recent history of sports. LeBron has totally lost me. Used to love him, but now I hate him, which is almost a Guns N' Roses song. And now the whore of Akron is going to go file some other nest. That's a great book title, by the way. Somebody wrote that after LeBron left Cleveland to take his talents to South Beach, the whore of Akron. you got to give LeBron credit, though. He has somehow made finishing second fashionable. It's like Tiger Woods and finishing 23rd. And then LeBron didn't shake hands after, just went right to the locker room. What an absolute tool. When Durant went to Golden State, it ruined the league. It ruined the NBA. The NBA is non-competitive. Durant had every right to do so, but it ruined the league. That could happen in basketball much more easily than any other sport. IHOP, the International House of Pancakes, you may recall a few weeks ago, changed its name to IHOB. They flipped the P, made it a B, they are now IHOB, and it was revealed today they are the International House of Burgers. They're going to have specialty burgers. Now, what I want to know is, can I still get pancakes there? Because there's plenty of places to get great burgers, plenty of specialty places, but pancakes, not so much. I'm not going to stop going to Tesoro's or Burgatory or Five Guys because IHOP flipped the P and made it a B. There are burger places I can't even get to because there's so many burger places I want to get to. Chapino with the Super Genius Burger. I've been there twice. It's great. I'd like to be there more, but no, I don't think so. I'm going to go to IHOP. I've never been to Red Robin. Never been to BRGR. And now there's another specialty burger place? Come on. The World Cup starts this week. 
and the United States is not in it. That's because the best athletes in this country don't play soccer and never will. If Cristiano Ronaldo from Real Madrid in Portugal had grown up in the U.S., he'd be a strong safety for somebody. Uh, it's also because the best soccer players in this country mostly play in MLS, Major League Soccer, which is crap, and they get soft and lazy as a result and don't get better. If I coached the U.S. national team, I'd pick all guys who play in Europe because they got guts and are going to get better. I love that Christian Pulisic kid placed for Dortmund in Germany. He's great, and he's going to keep getting better. Uh, today's show has kind of an all-over-the-place feel, so indulge that and dial 412-333-WXDX. I've been watching all the OV party videos, and like I said, they didn't invent partying with the cop, but they are right in the wheelhouse for social media exposure thereof. You could tell Ovi knew this was his last, last best chance, that they would never have quite as good an opportunity again. And he's enjoying the heck out of it, and I don't blame him. If Tom Wilson hadn't won the Cup, I'd be a lot better with the Capitals winning, and I do feel happy for Ovi. Or if, you know, the Capitals had won the Cup and Tom Wilson had been like hit by a locomotive immediately afterwards while celebrating drunkenly on a railroad track. That fits the general theme of what actually has happened. 412-333-9939. A Steelers minicamp starts tomorrow. Matt Williamson, our football guru, will join me at 3.30 to discuss. And up next, I'm going to have a primer on National Hockey League free agency, which begins on July 1st. That'll be the second biggest thing to happen in July. The first biggest being the premiere of the fourth Purge movie on July 4th. God bless the new founding fathers for letting us purge. 1059 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He is Iron Man. Double M, what's up, buddy? Hi. Hey, Double M, just want to get your point on something. But he had sacks! But he had sacks! But he had sacks! The X at 105.9. That crap about LeBron breaking his hand, punching a whiteboard after game one, and it hindering him the rest of the series, that's an absolute lie. And I really hope that one of his teammates on the Cavs are just going to call him out. Like, Kevin Love, if I'm Kevin Love, I never want to play another second with LeBron again anyway. He's not coming back to Cleveland anyway. He gave Kevin Love a nervous breakdown by riding him so hard in the middle of the season. Had to miss a couple games. I'd say, look, who's this guy kidding? He didn't punch the whiteboard. He is a liabetic. And even if it's true. They weren't going to be Golden State. LeBron had great numbers in the final, although he clearly quit in game four. Just, excuse me, game five. No, it went only four games. Five last year, four this year. LeBron tanked in game four. Here's a tweet from somebody responding to me noting that LeBron didn't shake hands after the game. Blazer tweets, LeBron shook hands with the opposition before he left the floor when he got taken out of the game with, like, four minutes left. Uh, okay, that's not good enough. 
you wait till the game's over, you stay on the court, acknowledge that the team beat you, and don't just shake the hands of the five guys who are on the court with four minutes left. Shake everybody's hand. Shake the coach's hand. Be a gracious loser, which is what LeBron is mostly a loser. Nine final, six losses. Although, as I mentioned, he's made it fashionable. Uh, I can't wait for July 1st. That's the start of NHL free agency. There aren't a ton of huge, big-name free agents. Uh, John Carlson, the defenseman from Washington. John Tavares from the New York Islanders, the center. The Penguins will not get either one. I don't see any reason Tavares would stay with the New York Islanders, so where he lands is probably the most interesting plot of free agency. Carlson I could see re-upping with the Caps. If they can make it work cap-wise, no pun intended. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk, Statsney, James Neal, they're going to get real money because there's not a lot of goal scorers out there. Some idiot will take a chance on Kovalchuk returning to the NHL from the KHL at age 35, and Patrick Maroon will get too much money. There's not a lot of D out there past John Carlson. Although Eric Carlson and uh, Ekman Larson are both up for trade, probably. The second best free agent defenseman might be, wow, Mike Green of Detroit played for the Capitals. When he left, they did better. That's not coincidence. He's 36, and he just had spinal surgery. So I would pass. The best fit for the Pens out of all those free agents would be James Van Riemsdyk at wing, but the Penguins can't afford him. I mentioned before that people think the Caps invented partying with the Stanley Cup. The, the difference is social media. The camera's everywhere, but, but good for those guys and good for Ovechkin. Ovi had to know that this was his last best chance and knows now it's probably the only time he'll ever win the Cup. I will talk more about Ovi's place in history at 4 p.m. A ton of people watched the Stanley Cup final. It was the most watched Stanley Cup final ever that didn't feature an original 16. Uh, that's pathetic, but it's true. It's damn true. And it was the most watched Game 5 since 2002, and Game 5 was up 51% from last year. The top four markets were Vegas, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and D.C. That's weird. Buffalo at number three. I definitely can't put my finger on why. Heck, I don't want to put my finger on Buffalo. Uh, the final had two great storylines, an expansion team in the final and Ovechkin's chase. Oh, feedback's starting to break on LeBron saying his hand was broken. Reggie Miller says that LeBron coming to the postgame press conference with his hand wrapped in a cast was a weak move. Skip Bayless claims the hand injury is a cover-up. Quote, the excuse he needed has already been planted. And Dan Patrick said, that move is dumber than what J.R. Smith did. In reference to LeBron claiming his hand was broken. LeBron went from King James to a douchebag in pretty short order. And the guys ripping him are not normally guys who would rip him. He lost a lot of backers with this broken hand play. 
Uh, let's go to Mark on the road. Mark, you're on with Double M. Good day, Mr. Madden. Right. Hey, back about Hurdle. Um, do you think he just doesn't care, or he just has he plays his favorites? Here, here's what I think. I, I'm being very specific here. I think Hurdle knows he can't win with the group he has. So I think because of that, he lets everybody get X amount of playing time so nobody complains. He figures if he can't win, he might as well have peace and quiet, relatively speaking. That's my best guess. And really, it's the only one that smacks of any degree of logic. I agree. I oh, well, agree. Good. Goodbye. Let's go to our good friend who will be supporting Egypt in the World Cup, Mohamed Salah, the great Liverpudlian. He is Bob, the Egyptian magician. Hello, my friend. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm all right. Actually, I, I, I probably will be, not probably, will be supporting Iran. They're playing, too. Well, why? That, that, I thought you were Egyptian. Uh, well, you say that. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, oh, so, oh, wait, you're Persian. Yes. See, what we need to do is change the name of Iran back to Persian. That's what's confusing me, Bob. Can you arrange that? Well, you the man. You can do anything, so. Now you got a point. So what's on your mind, buddy? Well, add my name to uh, one of those guys that I was really liked, James, LeBron James, and it really turned me off, especially uh, the, you know, the, the way he played on the last game. And also, you know, when Duran uh, killing you, I think that was, you know, you put best on best. I don't know why he wasn't defending him. Because he, he, he knew he couldn't do it, Bob. There are so many reasons to dislike the way LeBron sees it ended. The lie about the broken hand, uh, the lackadaisical way he played in game four, him leaving the court before shaking hands with the entire Warriors roster. And uh, he didn't start the fourth quarter of game four. Now, I know at that point the game's lost, but you can't sell that. You have to give it your best if you're the player he thinks he is, which is the best player of all time. What else you got? Well, uh, as far as, uh, the, you know, how, how this penguin, I mean, I'm sorry, the Fleury finish, uh, one thing I have to say is a lot of Fleury lovers, I love Fleury too, okay? But I, I really don't like the fact that they bashing Murray because they love Fleury, okay? Well, yeah, the, the two things uh, aren't relevant, Bob, that's correct. Uh, and, you know, Murray closed the uh, series for the, Stanley Cup final two years in a row. It is not easy. A lot of people are saying, oh, Flory got us there as if that was the whole thing. You know? Well, what, what, I, what I don't Cup like, Bob, what I don't like, Bob, and you're right, Murray did better in his two finals than Flory did in this one. And I don't like the people who are saying, well, the, the Vegas defense left him out to dry. They got caught puck watching. And I've been guilty of that, but, but Flory had a bad final. And he, and he, and he ditched the way he had been playing, which is anchored to the blue paint, and started, like, you know, I hate to say panicking, but that's what it looked like. Started coming out after the puck, gambling. It wasn't a good look, and it wasn't a good series for Flurry. Thank you for the call, Bob. I could talk to Bob all day, but we got football talk just around the corner. It's our football guru, Matt Williamson, who is going to talk about Steeler minicamp, which begins tomorrow on the south side. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. 
And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, hey, super genius, big, big fan. See, you're just screwing with me. You're doing a good job, but you're just screwing with me, right? The X at 105.9. Steelers minicamp starts tomorrow on the south side. Joining me now, it's our football guru, Matt Williamson. Matt, are there any big issues at Steelers minicamp? Are there any questions that can be answered to any significant degree in a mere three days? No, but I've been broadcasting there all through OTAs, and you pick some things up for sure. You know, like I've really had an eye on what safety is going to be in the deep middle, and I haven't found that answer out. I mean, there's been a long, wide variety there, but as they install the defense, you start to see roles and who's going to play where. And, you know, another thing I noticed, like when they signed John Bostick, I thought, okay, you know, he's a explosive straight-line athlete, but – he doesn't. I don't think he's all that laterally agile or change directions all that well. But when you watch him practice in front of you, you say, wow, he moves better than I thought. So there's things like that to gather from it. But the line play, you really can't find out a lot. Um, you know, a guy like Washington, the second-round pick, he absolutely looks like he belongs, you know, in what's basically seven-on-seven type drills. So you get some things. Now, at OTAs, they, they had Watt and Dupree switch sides at outside backer. Uh, are they going to continue that at minicamp, do you guess, Matt? And would that be permanent or situational? Break that down for us. Yeah, and it's going to be the majority of the time is my hunch. And I think it makes sense, but it would have made a lot more sense 15 years ago. You know, it used to be that offenses came out with the tight end of the quarterback's right, and they ran right more often. And, you know, right tackles were big, heavy-footed guys, where left tackles were really nimble and agile pass protectors. And I think that's still sort of true, just not as much as it was. And by this flipping, which I think is going to be basically permanent, but once in a while you'll see the other or them lined up on the same side, I think TJ's the better Coverage player, you know, certainly against tight ends, and that makes perfect sense. I also think he's the more agile technician, change of direction athlete, bender against heavier right tackle types. And maybe most importantly, Dupree's best method to getting to the quarterback right now is trying to go through his opponent. And maybe he can have more luck against, you know, lighter more agile guys as opposed to trying to bull rush right tackles. Why hasn't Dupree turned out better so far? Is there any one thing that's held him back in particular, or is he just not that good? I think there's a couple things, and one of them stems back to college, was I never thought he was a great recognition player. You know, if you're half a tick slow of figuring out where to be, and that doesn't mean he's not smart or anything like that. It's just how well he recognizes the run play towards him or when to go to a second move, things like that. I think he's still not where he needs to be there, but better than he was. And I also don't think he's a natural bender. You know, like I talked about Bostic and Dupree is really impressive closing or converting speed to power and being a powerful straight line player. But when you ask him to really dip a shoulder and get low, you know, like on his speed rush, instead of really getting low and getting to the quarterback on a really tight angle, he's too easy to push up field. And I don't know that that'll change. 
But I hope he develops more more repertoire as a pass rusher too. Going to a second move, showing new things. He's not a bad player, but a little disappointing for sure. How can they fix inside backer? And can they do it by playing more safeties? Because you hear that talked about, but I don't think the Steelers are great at safety either. Well, what I think should happen, and you and I haven't talked for a while, but I've been saying this for a long time, and one thing I've very much learned in this business is roster moves tell you what they're going to do. And if Evans or Van Der Esch would have been there in the first round, I think they would have taken them. But it's not an accident that their their biggest additions this year were Morgan Burnett, you know, they're really their only free agent that they signed. The first-round pick, Edmonds. And then when Marcus Allen fell to them in, what, the fifth round, and they took yet another, quote, box safety, it, it told me all I need to know, is they're going to play a lot of safeties as linebackers, you know, 210, 215-pound guys near the line of scrimmage to make up for the speed loss of Shazier. So, what I think you'll see, and I haven't seen this yet by a lot in OTAs or anything, but there's a lot of time. I think when you see the, quote, base personnel, what used to be the Steelers 3-4, I think you'll see a lot of their three-man front, Watt and Dupree, now on different sides, as you mentioned, Vince Williams or Bostic, three safeties and two corners, with two of those safeties kind of looming around the line of scrimmage like a Cam Chancellor type. Now, when we consider that they didn't draft a replacement for Shazier, should Steeler fans be pissed about that or just acknowledge that nobody was really available, not to draft or to sign? Right, and more the latter. And the reality is, we talked about this a lot on the air, was there's really only 10 to a dozen human beings on the earth that would, quote, be replacements or possible replacements for Shazier. I mean, what he brought to the table in terms of just erasing errors and pure speed and athleticism, you weren't going to find that. I mean, if you would have got Van Der Esch or Evans, you at least could have a really solid, talented guy to build around. But I didn't think they were special enough to trade your draft to go get them. And so they're compensating, I think, with more safeties. And the reality is, you look at a team like Jacksonville. I mean, there's a guy, Kevin Telvin Smith, who's listed as a linebacker, maybe the fastest linebacker in the league, but he's really no different than their first-round pick this year, you know, Edmonds. You know, if they walk in the room together, you'd think they play the same position. It's just kind of what they list them at. We're talking to our football guru, Matt Williamson. You can check him out on Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, Matt, you mentioned Morgan Burnett, the safety, the free agent from Green Bay, and everybody I talked to is raving about him. What are your expectations for Morgan Burnett? Yeah, and a scene for sure with Burnett and Bostic, and when we interview players coming off the field, something you keep hearing that they're obviously trying to address is better communication, better tackling, less mental errors. And I think Burnett and Bostic are really adapting that in that they're versatile. They've had the headsets. They, they can orchestrate the whole defense. And Burnett really, I think, is going to be asked to do everything. I think he's a true professional that can cover tight ends, that can play near the line of scrimmage, can play too deep. I've seen him in single high. I don't know that I trust him there. I think he's a little better near the line of scrimmage. But that's a quality pickup. I mean, I think he'll help in a lot of phases. Can James Washington replace Martavis Bryant? And do the Steelers expect him to do that, strictly speaking? I think so. Um, right now, he didn't run a real diverse route tree in a real wide open attack. You know, I think he'll come in 
in sort of that Sammy Coates role. And that doesn't sound good on the surface, but remember last year, I guess it was last year, where Coates had that six-game stretch where he'd line up outside the numbers and A.B. would be on the opposite side and he'd have one-on-ones over and over and over and they'd throw deep to him. I mean, I think that's how you get him involved early. But unlike Bryant or Coates, you see Washington in person, he almost looks like a running back. I mean, he's a really thickly built guy. So I think to get him more and more involved, you'll see bubble screens, quick hitting things, because he's hard to, he's hard to tackle. You know, he's not a 4-3 flat guy that's just going to run outside the numbers past people. But he goes up and gets the ball really well. And like I mentioned, he's really shown well since being in a Pittsburgh uniform. Am I wrong to have some questions about James Conner? Because if he gets hurt again, or isn't that good, the Steelers might have problems at running back. Yeah, they might. And Jalen Samuels is a really interesting guy. Um, I saw running back going into the draft as their number three need behind linebacker and safety, which everyone thought was one and two, because I don't trust Connor. You know I mean? Great story, rooting for him. Hey, I was at Pitt for three years. But he hasn't proven that he can be on the field, and I question his versatility, which is something you don't question with Samuels. And, you know, I, I look at Connor and think he's probably a long-time number two if he can stay healthy. I mean, that's a, a big if right now. Well, no, I see him as a number two. That That's not my complaint. For sure, yeah. But, but the injuries combined with, I mean, you can't make progress when you're hurt. That that That's a worry, too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a little concerned and I urge everyone to check out my timeline. I just wrote some, some stats about Bell's workload. It's insane. And the, I, I don't trust him to stay healthy. And obviously the offense would be much different with him out of the game. And uh, I don't think Connor can be a <sighs> carry the load, 20 carry type of guy. It certainly hasn't proven it yet, that's for sure. So, yeah, I do think there's concerns there. You can check out Matt's timeline at Williamson. NFL, that's at Williamson NFL. Now, with Gerald Hawkins... Just real quick, you can see things going wrong. It's not, a, it's not a hard narrative to write where things go wrong at the running back position quickly on this team. Now, uh, with Gerald Hawkins on IR and Chris Hubbard gone, do the Steelers suddenly lack depth on the offensive line? A tackle, yes. I mean, their interior, I think, is very good because Finney's a high-quality player. I think Finney's going to be your new Hubbard, you know, the, the come-from-nowhere type guy, but he can't play tackle. Filer's another guy that people probably don't re- recognize, but has developed really well and is yet another feather in Coach Munchak's cap. I mean, Villanueva, Foster, Hubbard, Finney, Filer. These are all starting caliber, more or less, guys that were undrafted. So, you got the right O-line coach at least working these guys out. And Filer's been playing more tackle since the injury. And they also drafted this Chooks dude who I think everyone wanted the red shirt for the entire year. But he's going to get more reps and Munchak's going to get his hands on him. So it's a worry, especially considering Gilbert's injury history. But, you know, most teams in the league don't have three tackles. Do you expect Ben to ever hit a wall? Or do you think he'll finish out his career as at least the top 10, top 12 quarterback? I lean towards the latter, but I was also the one after we five. Okay, we lost Matt Williamson. Matty there. Okay, we'll try to get Matt back in 30 seconds here. Matt is the one to finish his sense who predicted Ben was done or 
words to that effect when he struggled uh, early in last season. I don't know, maybe Ben's the type of guy at this point in his career that because of his age, it's just going to have to take a bit of time to get into a groove at quarterback. Whether it's physically, mentally, whatever, that might be something Ben Roethlisberger has to deal with. Uh, Matt, you're back. Uh, do you think he'll finish out his career as like a top 10, 12 quarterback? Yeah, I do lean that way. But like I said, I was the one, more than anyone that I can remember, really doubting him after four, five, six weeks last year. I thought he played really, really poorly and rebounded really well. And I'm not bashing Ben by any stretch of the imagination, but in terms of the 32 quarterback situations in this league, he has it about as good as anyone in terms of protection and guys around him. And so I do think he's going to be, yeah, a top 10, top 12 guy for the foreseeable future, as long as he doesn't hold on one year too long. But, I mean, I don't expect that drop-off in the next year or two. By the way, just to quote your timeline, uh, Lev Bell leads all running backs and snaps played since he entered the league in 2013, and he missed 18 games during those five years. Tomlin really does run these guys till the wheels fall off, doesn't he? That's that's uh, not an exaggeration or a catchphrase. It, not at all. And, and I, I followed it up by... He, if you just go on a per-game basis, since Bell missed those 18 games, he averages 10.5 more more touches than anybody else. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, per game, that's a whole quarter of football. 10.5 snaps, I'm sorry, not touches. So he plays like basically an extra quarter of football than the second most used running back. And that's not going to hold up. And, I, again, I feel like I'm the only one saying it, too. I thought he declined last year, and that should be expected. I mean, these guys can't handle that kind of workload. Now, uh, Reggie Bush said Tomlin should be under fire a bit more and that Tomlin needs to change the culture. What's your take on that? I don't see that. Um, I don't know what Reggie Bush insight he has on the, on, the, on the subject. He's never been here. But you compare it to the other 32 teams, I think that locker room is really strong, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I absolutely Do you really, Matt, even with all the distractions? I think it's maybe a typical NFL locker room, but, but I think they could tone it down a little, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but I don't think it's criminal behavior compared to some of the other teams out there, a lot of other teams out there. I think there's some immaturity amongst the older dudes, you know, the Bells and Browns and those type of guys. But I also think the last couple draft classes, the first, last two have highly been dedicated to high-character guys, team captains, things like that, too. Sutton, Watt, Juju. I mean, a lot of those guys were well-respected on their teams. Now, Sports Illustrated already did a preview. They're, they're, they did a preview to the preview, which I think is hilarious. And they said the Steelers <laughs> look vulnerable, but still picked them to win the AFC North. Matt, I agree. That's exactly how I would phrase it, in fact. I think they can help it win the AFC North, but I just can't right now see them as a legit Super Bowl contender because of that defense? I'm definitely going to pick them to pick the win the North, although I do think all three of those teams are better than they were. I think the AFC is very, very weak, and I think Jacksonville's due to take a step back because their passing game's horrible. New England's not going away. There's five or six teams in the NFC I would probably put ahead of the Steelers, but I think they're a top seven or eight type of team. And I'm curious how the defense comes around. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be leaps and bounds better, but they've drafted on that side of the ball so heavily over the last couple of years. I have to tend to think it's going to take a step forward. Matt, great stuff as always. Enjoy minicamp. We'll talk to you again real soon, I'm sure. All right, Mark. Take care.
That's Matt Williamson, our football guru. Check out his timeline at Williamson NFL. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. A little later, I'm going to tell you kids out there, if you have to pick between Twitter and hard drugs, well, it might not be the choice you would expect. Uh, and in just a moment, a Young Ho Gung update, 105.90X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Everyone, big ten, big ten. Thank you. I want to say, hell, Mark. I would rather give myself a colonoscopy with a coat hanger. The X at 105.9. A little more bucko talk. Young Ho Gung looks like he's headed back to Pittsburgh sooner, not later. He's in triple-A ball right now with Indy. And not long after that, I'm guessing Gung will be playing second base in Pittsburgh and Josh Harrison will be traded. Harrison makes 10 mil, Gung makes 3 mil. You do the math. Cervelli makes 10.5 mil. Diaz makes 560K. Diaz playing very well lately. If the Pirates can find someone to take Cervelli, they'll trade him too. Do the math. Bob Nightingale, the very respected baseball writer, said today that the Pirates do trade Harrison and Cervelli, that they'll probably have to absorb some of their contract moving forward because those two make a lot, and they're pretty good, but not that good. We talked about Kingham being sent to AAA before. That's a joke. And the four-man rotation in the Pirates' outfield to prop up and placate Polanco, that is also an absolute joke. Uh, check out my blog on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. It's about Kingham being sent to AAA. And when you see all his numbers stacked one on top of the other, best whip, best DRA, lowest batting average against, that's all among Pirates who have started a game, starting pitchers. It really is quite depressing. Okay, there's a video that got posted by Bleacher Report, and I just retweeted it, at Mark Madden X. State semifinals, high school baseball playoffs in Minnesota. A pitcher strikes out a batter to end the game and get his team to the state final. The pitcher and batter have been best friends since childhood. Instead of celebrating with his team, the pitcher runs immediately to console the batter. A lot of people are saying what a great moment this is. I'm sorry, I think it's contrived. I think it's phony. I think the pitcher should have been celebrating with his teammates. If that friendship was so precious to the pitcher, and it was more important than winning the state semifinal? Well, then serve up a gopher ball. Throw a home run up there. Let your buddy hit it out of the park. But like I said, this is just contrived and phony to me. This is a kid knowing it'll be a national story if he consoles his friend. Uh, forgive me for being cynical. That's how I see this. And if it's not contrived and phony, then frankly, the pitcher's a wimp who's lucky he won because he doesn't compete like you should. Not hating. Just saying. Uh, as we talked about with Matt Williamson, Steelers minicamp begins tomorrow. 
and I saw an article online about four things we should look for at Steelers minicamp. I'll recap them all a little bit later, but I, I love things like this. Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt rushing the passer together. What, you mean like hand-in-hand? Hand? They they should play high school baseball in Minnesota, if, if that's the case. Uh, it, it just... I mean, you did hear Matt Williamson say they might rush from the... They might come from the same side, line up on the same side. I just hope in the effort to get more out of Dupree, they don't improperly burden T.J. Watt and they impede his development. Here's the way I'd handle it right quick. After a couple games, if Dupree stinks, I'd just sit him. You know, well, no, you got Chicolo and he stinks. I... Boy, they stuck with Dupree a long time, ain't they? I know. Bring back James Harrison. 1059 the X.